0: Okay, pasa, Mufasa, welcome to the Michaelpreneur Podcast. Today we've got Reggie Harris and Ian Bollinger of Oakland Hyphae and Hyphae Labs in the building. And we are firing on all cylinders. We're talking California Psychedelic Conference. We're talking psilocybin cup. We are talking about the Oakland Hyphae spectrum and potency testing and social justice and a shitload of other angles that you ain't going to get exposed to nowhere else but here. Definitely stick around till that outro music pops off. Thanks to everyone tuning in. Love every single one of you, except for y'all that sold Enigma. Fuck you. Let us know what you think of the episode, because it's popping off right now. K-Pasa, Mufasa, Oakland Haifei, Reggie Harris, and Ian Bollinger. The Dynamic Duel in the flesh. Welcome back to the Michaelpreneur Podcast, Reggie. And welcome for the first time, Ian. How are things in Oakland treating you fellas today?
1: What up, though? What up, though? I'm extremely excited to be here. Uh, I mean, it's 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 not just in Oakland, man. We it, It's exciting energy everywhere right now. It's like every single day. I was telling somebody the other day that every single day I wake up is the biggest day of my life these days. You know, it feels really good.
2: I'm 100% with you on that. I mean, between the amazing science I'm having the opportunity to be a part of, to the samples that I get to see, to the cultivators that I get to support, it's just been... Uh, surprise to be able to wake up every day and be a part of this community.
0: I'm coming fully with that energy. Today's the best day of my life, so th- let's fucking go. All right, so first off, i got to ask you all a very important question on behalf of the whole Myco community and the psychedelic space. Can you all slow the fuck down and let the rest of the world catch up for a minute? Because I don't really see anyone keeping up with Oakland hy Just an idea, maybe level the playing field a bit. What do you guys think? Can we pump the brakes a bit?
2: Uh, Ian, I'm going to let you go, and then I'm going I'm to ride. I think nature will always find a way. If we weren't the ones taking the stance or taking these pioneering steps, somebody else would be. Um, There always has to be a trailblazer. I mean, there are organisms that will take a lava flow that just solidified and start breaking that shit down and turning it into soil. So – and honestly, they're fungi. So we're here to help you know, support and be a part of that in this new space.
1: What I'll say is I – I wish I could slow down to tell you the truth. You know, every Ian has heard me say this several times after the cup, I didn't plan on doing anything else, but things just, I mean, things just kept happening and you don't, the the way that I'm built, you kind of just, once you're in the energy flow, you roll with it. You know, it's, it's, it's foolish to try to fight against the energy flow. It's a, it's a blessing. And, uh, if, if you come from like the Christian faith, I know my mom always tell me that you'll never be given more than you can handle. So, we got a strong team, the team is clicking, and that makes everything very much um, easy. You know, it's like we do these events in other places, but we have a team on the ground there helping move us through. Shout out to Queerly Psychedelic in, in Denver. Shout out to my, my homegirl. She grows bare. Shout out to just everybody who's held us down and, and helped the support. I think the other piece of it is if if we didn't have the community support I actually, I know for 100% fact that we didn't have the community support, it, it wouldn't be a thing because we don't have a whole bunch of money to work with. The only thing that we really have uh, is people showing up, supporting us, you know, giving feedback. And it's, it's, it's a natural, like, mycelial network, so to speak. Let's talk about you, man. I've seen you out here. All of a sudden, you popped up with these fucking parody videos that you do are fucking hilarious and creative. And I love them, man. Keep them shits. I don't know how you keep hitting us with them, but them shits are great, man.
0: Oh, I'm just getting started, Reggie. So, you know, this is all. Yeah, man, I'm ready to press some buttons, step on some toes, man. I'm built like that myself. I'm wired like that. So it's satire, dude, because for me, satire is like a Trojan horse. You know, like what's amazing is I'll just make these general concept videos, you know, basically built around decolonization, the plant medicine space, etc. And there will be individual organizations and people lashing back at me. I'm like, I didn't name you. You know, that's all you, bro. Like...
1: (laughs) Where I, where I come from, they say the hit dog hollers. It's like sometimes if I didn't say anything and you you felt it, then you probably the one I'm talking about, you know. And 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 that's on you. That's not on me.
0: That's where I'm coming from, man. I'm just getting started, and really my idea is to push it beyond the psychedelic community because you know, I have a background in media studies. I got my degree from University of San Francisco, not the USF Ian's familiar with in Florida. But man, I've been studying this for a long time. And like you look at some of the news that's coming out, you look at what's passed off as news. It is parody. It is satire. So it's like, we're having trouble distinguishing, you know, I I hear so many people say, I don't know what to believe anymore. All right. Well, that gives us a blank slate to start with, though. So let's fucking go. So let's talk about psychedelic conference, the California psychedelic conference, because it's coming up quick. I'm going to see you fools there. It lined up very serendipitously that I'm going to be in town and it's popping the fuck off in Los Angeles, California, Saturday, April 23rd, Sunday, April 24th. I got to know, is this going to be another run of the mill psychedelic conference like the 45 other ones that have taken place? Place this year, and is Rick Goblin part pardon me, Rick Doblin gonna be given a keynote this year with the maps crew? <laughs>
1: um, I mean, so one of the things that we're known for is I actually think that we're blackballed for mainstream psychedelics. You know, they they we you'll never see us get invited to a maps thing, you'll never see us get invited to any of this mainstream shit, but again, the people keep inviting us to their shit and the people keep showing up. So nah. Uh, one of the things that I'm most proud of is we don't have to try hard to be um, to be diverse. And it's not in a tokenism way. We don't have a checkbox saying, OK, are the blacks happy or the whites happy or the Asians happy or the Latinos happy or the LGBTQs?" Nah, it's just these are the people that run in our crew. And so, I mean, we can start there. Um, we can turn the corner and say, you know, another thing that a lot of these uh, typical um, psychedelic gatherings, I'll say, miss. You know, they, you have all these these uh, intellectuals in the room, and they're in our rooms too, but the, the they're the, the focus. The whole thing is catered for them. In our circle man, it's all growers. It's all the cultivators. It's all the people that work directly with the folks. We have experience in a very hands-on way. Everybody has experience in a very hands-on way. And those that come into the space that don't have hands-on experience are there to, like, listen and learn and not form. You know, they, they don't think that the whole um, atmosphere should be curtailed uh, to make them comfortable. Like everybody's comfortable in there, but it's not the typical, you know, homogeneous, uh, cis white male sort of thing. It's cis white males are comfortable, but it's not, the the event is not catered toward them. It's catered to the larger community as a whole. Um, and then I'll, I'll open the floor to end, but I'll say that my, my inspiration behind being, bringing these gatherings together so intentionally is twofold when I first got in, when I first came out the the psychedelic closet, so to speak, and I was going to decriminalized nature meetings, Ian was one of the first people I met at one of these decriminalized nature meetings. I mean, they were basically like well-to-do white folks. And some of the black folks that were in those circles, I'm still cool with to this day because they protected me as I, because I came up like swinging and they would, they would protect me when these folks tried to cancel me. But One of the things that I really wanted to be intentional about was making a space where I and people like me felt comfortable and where we could connect to the greater community as a whole and where the greater community as a whole could come and connect to people like us. And I think that we've done that. And the second inspiration is shout out to Baba Kalindi. Uh, They had the Detroit Psychedelic Conference um, two years ago and I went there and that was the first gathering where I'm like, golly, black people are doing it in psychedelics. And um, so it showed me that this is possible, um, that we don't have to tokenize to be diverse. And so I, we, we bring high level conversations, everything from testing to the spiritual aspect, to the sexual aspect, uh, to the cultivation aspect. But we also bring community and we, we organize folks and we connect folks. Um, big business. I, you know, I think probably 10 or 20 million dollars worth of business came out of the Oakland Psychedelic Conference. And this is L.A., um, so I'm, I'm, if you're looking to tap into business, I'm certain, I'm certain that business is going to be facilitated there. I'm certain that it's going to be the most, uh, organic community for people to tap into the, the larger community as a whole. I'm talking about nationally and internationally and, um, Ian, that's where I'm going to leave it. I just, I'm sorry. I get, you know, I get excited about this
2: shit. I mean, I'm going to go so far as to say the things that I've experienced both, scientific conferences i've experienced both sales conferences but i've also got a chance to be a part of the oakland psychedelic conference and i can tell you this that when you go to other places you're there for the speakers you're there for the booths you're there for the networking with ours we kind of flip that like the audience is what you're there for like you're not there for the people on the stage yeah they're a great draw But it's literally the person that you're sitting next to that you find out is literally one of the best cultivators in the country or is one of the best citizen scientists in the world in this one little niche that has been black market for the past 30, 40 years. So I honestly believe that we're taking it instead of it being like speakers and booths and then networking. We're networking first. And then we have the people that we want to represent, the people in the community doing the work, the booths. And then last, it's us, those of us on the stage, the talking heads. Like, we're here to show that there's value in our community, and those are the people that need to be up front. So those people that have bought a ticket, those people that are going to buy a ticket, those are the people we're going for.
1: I want to build on what Ian said, because he's absolutely right. And th- this is what we, t- we actually tell people all the time. People hit us up. Hey, can we be speakers? Can we be speakers? Like, And we only have so many spaces for speakers but like there is extreme like proven value for the people that are in the room like ian says the 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 people on stage are just an an excuse to gather the people who are actually in the space and what comes from this is robust communities robust localized communities robust national communities synergy and conversation because we're not you know we're not so disconnected so if you know we can talk through uh problems and solve them as a community before they arise but also man. And this is a fact. It, this is kind of like people become friends, like serious friends. People come to these events and then you'll see them moving around together as crews. And you'll see well, I mean. If you show up when, we, when I see you like you've never seen us in action, but like you've seen pictures of it. And we have be around these events. It's a whole fucking crew of folks that just kind of roll together. We try to solve problems together. We try to organize and activate together. And it's uh, it's a really, really, really good family of people, man. You can buy tickets to the Oakland Psychedelic Conference at the Oakland Hype website or at the Oakland Hype IG. It's Oakland underscore Hype. Uh, Oakland underscore Hype on IG. Uh, and I believe we have the, the website domain, uh, the California Psychedelic Conference dot com. So Oakland underscore Hype on IG. Just follow the link tree and you can get tickets. Early bird tickets just sold out two days ago, but we can still get tickets. I'm sure that they'll probably be on sale for another two weeks, but I'm certain, I'm 100% certain that they're going to sell out uh also just let me take one minute to shout out our sponsors method seven glasses they're the only sunglasses that i wear shout out to method seven shout out to cbd is better and shout out to my my homie 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 homies Shout out to Pacific Substrates. Um, you just I want to make sure that we show some people some love. Also, shout out to Culture Shroom Shop down in, uh, in, in Long Beach.
0: That's what's up. I'm a big fan of Pacific Substrates. They put me on at the Meat Delic Conference in Las Vegas. I got to tap in with them and I, I rock their hat constantly. So, big love, Ben and Adam, and the whole crew, and looking forward to seeing everyone there in April. So, Psilocybin Cup is coming up, and nobody had done anything like that before or since. Y'all you put your foot down with the psilocybin cup and created a lot of buzz in the space, obviously. Surely there are a lot of moving parts to running an event like this from who gets to submit, how the samples are tested and verified, how the entire process is streamlined and handled. And I imagine that you two learned some things from those first two cups. So those first couple of psilocybin cups. So I'm curious if there are any things in particular that you've learned from your first couple of experiences holding the psilocybin cup and are there any adjustments that you've made for this current iteration of the psilocybin cup that's happening right now?
1: So I'm going to go and then Ian, you can talk about the science. So yeah, I mean the first psilocybin cup really came to me, after I was uh, I, I was working in Jamaica, I had gone to Mexico. I went to go see, shout out to Omar, a diaspora psychedelic society. I went out there to see him. I was working at that time with Wake Wellness. They're a Canadian-owned company that is in this now in Jamaica. As far as I'm concerned, they're a bad actor. I helped them get their lab set up. I helped them get their genetics all worked out. And uh, as soon as they got what they needed from me, and this was my bad, I didn't sign the paperwork for them, but... Uh, I trusted, I trusted them. And uh, after they, they pretty much told me to kick rocks after they had my genetics and, and, and a lot of my intellectual property, I I thought it was over for me. If I'm being honest, like I was, all I really wanted to do was make an honest living and not have to worry about going to jail. And these people fucked me. And so I was depressed for a couple of months. And, you know, after that, I had a, a decision to make, do I allow these, these colonizers Uh, And these corporatists, this corporate contamination, do I allow them to win and for them just to destroy me? Or do I, you know, turn that energy and that hurt and that pain uh, into doing something more positive? And so I decided that I was not going to keep arguing with them. You know, I begged them to pay me my money. And these people are rich. They have $250 million personally, individually, the CEO does. And uh, he wouldn't just break me off for the work and the months and quite frankly the risk that I took for them. And so I, I decided just to turn um a painful moment and channel the energy into productivity and i got up and dove into the cup around this time last year i announced um and you know it was very short notice but i just needed something to pour my energy into and so we announced it um i didn't know how the community was going to take it shout out to that man willie michael shout out to michael tech um shout out to sh- shoot shout out to mushroom mushroom hour shout out to everybody who supported uh twist uh, um the people at Pacific Substrates stood by me on that from day one. They were they were down from day one with the very first event. So, uh, you know, sponsor, they gave us stuff. And a lot of people gave us stuff. So we set up the intake process but very quickly. I knew that I wanted to give the community, um, you know, a lot of gifts back. And so I decided that, okay, uh, I'm going to reach out to people like Unicorn Grow Bags, Thermo Helix, uh, Diaspora, Twisted Tree, um, a bunch of other people. I reached out to them and says, okay, can you just send me stuff? So I can send it out. You know, this was the the, the first sponsorship. This was sponsorship meant. I didn't want to handle any finances. I just wanted stuff so I could give to the winners, and uh, a lot of them participated. They all gave me stuff, and I appreciated it. Um, and uh, but when I got the stuff from Twisted Tree Nursery, I got these huge bags that I couldn't I couldn't put into. A, you know, I could put everybody else's merch and their T-shirts. I could put everybody else's stuff into a, a flat rate box and send it out, but. I couldn't put Twisted Tree nursery stuff in there and I didn't really make a bunch of money. It was going to cost me $1,000 to send out uh, Twisted Tree stuff. And, uh, and they, had all, they, they had offered me, they said, hey, do you want me to send out, uh, do you want us to send this stuff out? And me, you know, not knowing it was my first time, I was like, nah, I got it. It shouldn't be that big of a problem, but I should have asked more questions. And so when I got their stuff, you know, here it is, I, it, it, it's costing me too much to send it out. So I sent out everybody's stuff except for theirs. They didn't like that. And I understand that they didn't like that because they wanted, you know, that people to get their stuff. And so they reached out to me and they said, hey, you know, people got the stuff, but they didn't get our stuff. What's up? And, you know, my reaction was, hey, I'm so sorry. The, uh, the, the, the bags were too big. I couldn't send them out. It's going to cost me extra money. But I gave it away to growers. And, uh, you know, I I gave it away to all the best growers I knew. And so I hope that's good. But if not, you know, I can give you the address to the people. You can send the stuff to them yourselves. Uh, You know, I can reimburse you for whatever you know you sent to me. I can pay you back. Uh, But they in their mind, Twisted Tree Nursery in their mind, got it that this was part of some bigger plot that I wanted to destroy them. And I was teamed up with some other guys. And so I didn't send their stuff out. And so they yelled at me. They told me that there was nothing I could do to make it up. And, uh, and they left, you know, of course, on Instagram, the, the ultimate I'm mad is they, they unfollow you. So Twisted Tree, they unfollowed me and let me know they were mad. And, uh, you know, I, what I said to them was, you know, I'm sorry that you feel the way you do, but hurt people hurt people. And so you have a good day. And uh, because of that, because they acted that way, it forced me or well, inspired me to lean deeper into my relationship with, with, uh, with Pacific Substrates. And so I actually want to thank. Twisted Tree for acting that way because we we have a super robust relationship with Pacific Substrates now. They're really good people. They do stuff for vets. They give stuff back. Uh, they understand that people are people. And so when you when you when you say uh, when you ask how do we change things, how have we changed things from the first cup to now? We've done two cups, and one of the ones one of the ways is because of my experience with Twisted Tree. I really don't accept anything in terms of sponsorship to give out because I don't want you know it's 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 more of a hassle for me than it is than it's worth. And, um, and an adjustment is, you know, I, I, I distanced myself from, from twisted tree altogether. I wish them well, but you know, I just, instead of arguing with them, I distanced them myself from them. And I leaned into the relationship with Pacific substrate. So it was a really good thing. Another thing that we've changed is, you know, at the time for the first two cups, I, I managed it all myself. And now I have, um you know, some, some trusted folks that are managing that side for me. Uh, and then lastly, what we, what we've changed is we have in-person pickups now. So anywhere we go, or anywhere, a member of the, type of the Hype eighteen, team, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do pickups. We did a pickup in Seattle. We did a pickup in Denver. We just did a pickup in L.A. We're going to have a couple pickups here in Oakland. And the reason for that is just to ena- enable more people to participate. You know, we don't really, we want it, safety is first. And so for us, you know, if we can get it in person uh, in a place where it's decriminalized, it just feels a lot better than, you know, taking any sort of risk. So those are a lot of the things that, that have changed. Overall, it's evolved to, to the better. You know, it's gotten uh, huge, uh, more large every single time, and um, and yeah. So I'll stop talking there. But it's it's a lot of changes.
2: I mean, a lot of growth in a lot of different ways. I mean, even just from. The perspective of the science of it, like the methods that we did when we before the cup even happened, have evolved up to the first cup, and even now where we're at, like we've gone so far with we've been working with other labs and other decriminalized areas to parallelize our methods to make sure that they're reproducible, and then furthermore we're actually making our methods in a way that is we're using um a a series of instrumentation called HPLC high performance liquid chromatography. There's an upgraded version of liquid chromatography called LCMS, liquid chromatography mass spec. The thing is, is typically it's like the difference between uh, a Toyota and a Honda. They're both Japanese cars. They're both pretty much got the same parts in them, but there are just little bits in it that make them drastically different enough to where you can't just use one and use the other. But you can use the same fuel in both vehicles. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're trying to build a method that can be used on both an HPLC and an LCMS to expand that reproducibility more than what it currently is. So that's one of the ways in which we've been able to really grow just on the science backbone of things. Reggie had already mentioned the types of samples that we had seen come in. The number has grown from, I think we had if I recall correctly, like 43 to 45 in the first cup. And then the second cup, we had about 74. So as it stands, we're growing as we go. I mean, I'm very proud and very happy to be able to be producing this work like in a way that's meaningful. So that's the big thing that I wanted to bring to the conversation. The first change in the cup that we had, we originally had like a first, second, third place. To me, that didn't, re- it, it, It it really didn't resonate with me personally when we had that, like it didn't feel like it was representative because I remember cannabis, like the, in cannabis, when the THC became the compound of focus, one of the big issues that we ran into was biodiversity loss. So it's like, okay, you win the Emerald cup or you win the high times cannabis cup because you had highest THC potency. All of those, all of those plants lower down on the list What biodiversity was lost? What terpenes were lost? What novel cannabinoids were lost? Because those weren't the things we were looking for, and those weren't the things cultivators were told to seek. I didn't like how we were kind of building that structure in mushrooms. That was kind of the place where I wanted to shift the conversation entirely. Um, uh, One of my favorite authors, Aize Jama Everett, um, showed me this amazing infographic. It was the lyrical dexterity of rappers. And it was this horizontal bar chart where on it you would have, you know, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 8,000. And it was just a spattering of pictures. And on it was rappers and their unique word choices. So it's like, oh, at 3,000, you had like, you know – Uh, what is it, uh, Takashi 69, and over at the high end, you had like Deltron and the Funky Homo Sapien. You know, it's like you had those different areas of skill, and it was this gorgeous representation of information. It got reproduced, I believe, by Rolling Stone. And you know how magazines, uh, you're in media, you understand different media formats require different representations. So like a, a magazine page, it's better to be viewed this way. They flipped the chart and made it vertical the author reached out to them and said can you pull this i don't want to get shot because who is at the beginning of a list is now at the bottom of a list and that's a different conversation like what are we what are we doing when we create these hierarchies like that And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to shift the conversation away from just a single compound. And that's what the spectrum is. The high-phase spectrum was my choice in response to that, my reaction to that. The high-phase spectrum was initially a looking at psilocybin and psilocin as the two major components of the trip. Psilocybin is actually psychoinactive versus psilocin, which is psychoactive. So what we saw is that psilocybin is kind of like a – I call it a time release, if you will. Your body has to digest it and it has to convert it into psilocin before it can actually be uh, giving you a psychedelic experience. So if you have something that's high in psilocin but low in psilocybin, it is going to hit you very quickly and hit you pretty hard. But it's going to be a much shorter duration versus something that's high in psilocybin – is going to have a much longer duration probably still going to hit you pretty hard but not as hard the amount of both psilocybin and psilocin together can create a spectrum of effects that i imagine that you can either have psilocin being representative of how quickly its onset is going to be and how intense it's going to be and psilocybin content can be representative of strength or duration and together, we, I chose to map them when you're looking at them together, it gives you an idea of depth and intensity. So you have your speed and onset, your strength duration, and it would give you depth and intensity as like an interaction between those things. That shifted the conversation away just from a single compound. We're doing that again this time around. Um, we are, we're expanding beyond just psilocybin and psilocin. We're looking at other tryptamines present in mushrooms, norbeocystin, norcilicin, arugenacin. also trying to see if there's even the possibility of us seeing any beta-carbolines in there as well, harmine specifically. So there's this whole conversation about what we're trying to do better. It's We're taking the science to the next level. We're trying to bring the community in. We're trying to learn from our mistakes. So this is kind of the space that we're, we're developing into, and I appreciate the ability to be able to do this because it's, it's – like Reggie said, we're not – we don't have big funders behind us. Our community is what supports us, and our community are the cultivators, the consumers, the shamans. Like, those are the people that are actively asking for this information. The therapists our friends.
0: Yeah, well, let's tap into it, man. We have you both here right now, so let's dive into that spectrum a little bit. So either one of you can field this one, but I had written it for Ian. What do you think about synthetic psilocybin versus actual psilocybin mushrooms? Because my understanding is that the double-blind studies being done exclusively use synthetic psilocybin, which essentially rules out the entourage effect that you're talking about with the baocysteine and all of these other chemicals above my pay grade. So I'm curious, and of course, you decontextualize the ceremony or the ritual when you're doing something in a lab and studying that way so there's like a huge difference right a polarity between psilocybin mushrooms and someone eating some fresh homegrown psilocybin mushrooms versus a clinical lab setting where someone's taking synthetic psilocybin and even the measurements are totally different too like how do you how do you measure this out for someone who's who's going to be part, part of this study? So I'm curious if you have any takes on psilocybin coming from fresh mushrooms like you guys are testing for versus synthetic psilocybin. And have you personally experienced the synthetic psilocybin and did you notice any differences?
2: So I'll start with that last one because it's the shortest answer I have. Is I have yet to experience synthetic psilocybin, so I can't really give any insight into that. However, comma, I'm going to give a little bit of pushback. I agree with where you're coming from, but I'm going to give a little bit of pushback on a couple of different things that you said. There is ritual in science. There is ritual in the lab. It's a different kind of ritual. And furthermore, I think there's great value in recognizing one of the issues that I have. It's a little rant I'm going to get into. Entourage is a misnomer. I prefer uh, ensemble in the sense that entourage implies a VIP and everybody else is along for the ride. I believe it's more of an ensemble effect, like a Vivaldi spring. You require the violin, the viola, and the cello to really give that full experience. If you took one away, it wouldn't be the same. And that is my response to the synthetic question, the isolated compound question. The medical models that we exist under very much favors the single isolated compound um, as a form of treatment. In that space, there is always going to be a use for it. However, there is, to touch what you I think you are touching on, is there is no ritual in that space, in that, that therapeutic single-use model. That thing is missing from that experience. And I think that it's not just the single compound. So the Johns Hopkins studies, I believe, the dosage they would give a person for about a 155-pound person is about 25 to 30 milligrams of pure psilocybin. As it stands, that is what you can expect. If you had, according to the 90s, the, the like Paul Stamets' books, said that the average mushroom had about 0.68% psilocybin in it. So if you had 0.6 times, let's say, 5 grams, that's about 30 milligrams of psilocybin. So that would make sense. Like the heroic dose is what they'd probably be giving people in that study. The issue is is there is, an, there is a massive number of tryptamines present from baocystin to norbaocystin, which are versions of psilocybin for all intents and purposes. They're very similar. They're actually like a transitionary state between like psilocybin and serotonin, if you will. And so serotonin is not necessarily a psychedelic experience for us. Granted, I would argue that the normal everyday experience is quite psychedelic. That's a different conversation for a different day. The idea being that... If we had compounds closer to serotonin, which would actually be norbeocystin, that's actually almost the, the position of the hydroxy is the only difference. A 5-hydroxytryptamine is serotonin, 4-hydroxytryptamine is norbeocystin. So we look at that, we can probably assume there's not going to be a strongly psychedelic experience from it. But we do know supplementing our lives with serotonin can be beneficial for our mental states. So there is an impact of these compounds present in that experience that is not necessarily going to be present in a pure psilocybin experience. And so because of that, that's why I wanted to bring all of these different compounds to the forefront, because that's the lesson that we learned in cannabis that it took us a decade and a half almost to to really bring to the forefront. It's like, then why are we going to try to start the conversation, you know, 10 years ago in cannabis when we can at least learn from those lessons? I hope that's a, a reasonable answer.
1: Yo, Dennis, you're here. I, I know you have a lot of people on, on this podcast, a lot of scientists, uh, and I know that there's a lot of people out here that claim that to, to be doing testing, uh, but I guarantee you ain't heard these people talking like this man Ian has. Like, we we on some other type shit, you know, these, it, it's, everybody else, I feel like it's a dog and pony show. Ask, ask him about the combinations of the of the tryptamines and, and how they hit you. These people, it's all, it's. At most, these people might be able to measure, uh, or, you know, measure tryptamines, but they don't know what they mean when they go together. Like we got, we have a full spectrum uh, of of knowledge and resources, and our, our objectives is more um, really informing the public and, and, and having sensible conversations over uh, trying to cut a profit. You know, we th- this company was founded because it was a it was a grow, growers and dealers needed to know how to have smart conversations.
0: I get occasional feedback from friends in the audience who are like, man, get scientific. You're going to have a scientist on? Let's get scientific. But you know what? We're going to try to walk both sides of the aisle because I also want to talk a lot about the social angles too, right? So, but I have two more questions related to the testing before we move on to all that. And one of those has to do with genetics, okay? Because it's another question people have thrown at me and it's almost like an urban legend, like albino penis envy are stronger than this one and the hillbillies are the strongest. I've got about a dozen different genetics that were gifted to me by Mycoblast, huge shout out Mycoblast, good friend, supporter of the podcast. And, uh, in particular, I'm curious, are there any particular genetics that y'all have come across that we should be watching out for that are primed to sweep through the community? Because I'm sure you all have your hands on probably more genetics and more mushroom samples than many of the people out there at large. So we'd just love to hear some perspective on what genetics y'all are pumped on and what should we be watching out for and are there any that are stronger than the other ones?
1: Camberg is out, uh, out of Colorado, we're banging right now.
0: I would argue um, some, of the, some of the old
2: wives say- Are true, I would argue, yes. Um, But one of the things that we have seen almost across the board has been anything of a penis envy lineage, it's gonna be something that's gonna be not recommended for microdosing. I'll put it that way. Um, Or if you're going to microdose with it, use it in very, very, very small amounts. Um, Whether that be albino penis envy, old dirty penis envy, uh, or just traditional penis envy six, penis envy four, whatever generation or genetics you tend to have, penis envies tend to be on the the more potent side of things when it comes to psilocybin and psilocin content. Um I will say we've seen some non-psilocybe come through. Um some cyanescence, I believe some Azure essence in this time around. I believe we have some natalescence. So, um that's the other thing that we're seeing as well is that there's going to be a lot more variety in that way. But fundamentally when it comes to genetics and things to look out for, the penis envy is is definitely one of those things. Enigma is definitely something that came onto the forefront of the conversation with the first cup. It's it's a difficult cultivar to work with, but it's arguably one of the most potent cultivars that we've ever seen. Furthermore, I would even go far so far as to say I like the idea of us being able to work with other cultivators to be able to provide libraries and information. So that's one of the areas where Hyphae Labs is expanding into. We're going to be providing a little bit more data around genetic information for our clients as the new year comes through. If things work out, we'll hopefully have that in the Fall Cup.
0: Ala Cabenzi has been a personal favorite of mine as well. So... Shout out Alica Benzi. All right, this is another one of those urban legends, old wives' tales, maybe we can dispel or shed some light on. And that's the caps versus stems debate. Because going back to the very first time I bought an eighth of mushrooms when I was in high school from the neighborhood dealer who tells me, oh man, you want oh, caps, you know, the caps are where it's at. And, you know, this conversation comes up repeatedly, but I wonder if there's any scientific evidence backing either or the other, or is it all just apples and oranges? What do you have to say on the caps versus stems potency debate?
2: Do you want me to say it or do you want to say it? Right now, I can say there is published data that says caps are more potent than stems. I have anecdotal data that says the opposite, but neither of them are statistically significant according to science. So fundamentally... There is a – all I can say is a a pointer towards caps being more potent. However, comma, at the point where you're dividing the mushroom, like you actually have more variation between one mushroom to another mushroom than you do between one mushroom's cap and its own stem. So you're better off just consuming the whole mushroom than trying to pick the caps of all the individual mushrooms, if that makes sense. Um, alternatively, um, that's that's the best response I can have to it. There is a lot more research going into this in the next six months, and so I want to say that look, listen to us to hear some more information in that space because we want to try to actually break this, um, just this old wives' tale apart. So that's kind of one of the goals that we have set for ourselves in the next six months at HiPhi Labs.
0: Well, hell yeah, and this one is probably a good one for Reggie because I think he's personally experienced it. Let's talk IP theft, intellectual property theft, because I've become aware of accusations of certain people in the Michael community passing off other people's genetics as their own and selling them when they arguably have no right to be selling and the, you know, the isolating and the breeding work that others have done before them. And I know Enigma has also entered the conversation with people selling Enigma. So this is something that you have experienced, Reggie, I believe, is the theft of intellectual Intellectual property and the broader topic of just IP theft and the mushroom and the psychedelic space. Is that something that y'all are actively contending with? And do you have anything to say about this issue of IP theft that's arisen in the space?
1: So I'm going to start with the genetics and then back into the, the, the quote IP. Um, so I had to when I first started moving around in the decriminalized space, you know, I would trade in genetics. It was a it was a nice easy like entry way to, to to gain some revenue and to help people get started. And you know, everybody didn't know where to get genetics. I, I got my genetics from Europe, so I had really strong, like good genetics. I think now we have better genetics here, but at that time, you know, you know, European genetics were better in terms of mushrooms. Um and I would I had this Burma that was mine. I didn't like I gave the Burma away to you know, special people, and I really manipulated the Burma, I got to, I made those plates artworks, and I, I ended up, you know, isolating so that it reproduced some fucking giants, like arm-sized giants, um, and I was very funny about that genetic, and I remember I let it go, and I told a person not to, you know, not to give it away, and then me and that person fell out, and then Burma is everywhere all of a sudden, and I was upset. I had to come to the conclusion that with genetics, one, if you don't want anybody to have those genetics or you want to control what happens to those genetics they never leave your lab because the minute those genetics leave your lab like at least in fresh form or you know plates or lc it's it's over for it's over for you you know you can't control those at at one point uh, there was you know a genetic called Tamarian Blue that was Baba Kalindi's uh uh genetic and he the you know him and some of his students had that and you know recently you see um you know, the Temerian blues now floating around because they let it out of the, the lab. And so kind of if, if you want your genetics to stay to you, then keep them to yourself. Otherwise, they belong to the streets. And I, I think that that's a lesson that all cultivators need to, like, take to heart and really think about um, in terms of the in, in ter- you know, because we can't control it. And at the end of the day, it's not ours. And it kind of ties into the enigma conversation. Um, you know, according to, to my man, Mendo Michael, <clears throat> shout out to Mendo Michael they you know the 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 enigma was developed to to be given away and the, the wishes of the person who developed it was that it was to, to be given away but you know in the capitalist world we live in you can you you know once the once they're out of your your lab you can't control it especially with mushrooms and so you see people selling the enigma unashamedly and you know i i believe that if the person who developed it you know wanted this and you know that these are their wishes then you you have to kind of just contend with out of respect, contend what they ask for. But again, we can't control it. We can police it as a community and we can give away so much enigma that makes it impossible for the people selling it to make money. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things is once it's out of your lab, it belongs to the streets in terms of the intellectual property. Um, you know, that's, that's different. I I'm in a, a space now where when I first entered into this world, I was loving and trusting and, you know, everybody, everything was rainbows, love, light, you know, and uh, and good vibes. And I quickly realized that, like, when you start dealing with people that you don't know, you're dealing with corporate corporatists, you know, contaminated you know, straight up and down capitalists. And, you know, I do. I'm, I work in the world of capital, too, because we all have to to survive. But like some people, that's all they care about is like the bottom the bottom line. Um you know, you I went into things very green and I gave away a lot more. I was a lot open and I got I got robbed. You know, they they robbed me and they basically says, fuck you. If uh, if you don't like it, you know, you, you need to shut up. Otherwise, we're going to, quote, get legal and sue you. And, you know, when you have two hundred and fifty million dollars and you threaten to get legal on somebody who, you know, is, is you know, struggling to make rent month to month. Um, you know, that's a scary thing. You know, I've, I've decided to stop fighting with them, but I also have decided to not shut up about it the fruit, they're all, they, they really are all knowing and the energy that's put into them is the energy that you're going to get out of them, you know? And so in those terms, I, I think that it's bad medicine. So, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm no longer making things on the internet and all this, but I do think that, you know, the, the lesson learned is deal with people slowly. And even when people dangle a little bit of money in front of you, you know, really take time to, to get to know them before you sign on, you know, because a job is not a job in this world. Um, you know, and I'm glad that I got screwed because ultimately I was offered a slave deal. They offered me, you know, a couple, you know, a couple thousand dollars as a, um, a regular salary to build a company on the mushrooms that I was going to show them how to grow. And to me, that seemed a little bit crazy. But at that time I just wanted to do a nice, honest pay. And so I was willing to give everything up. Now, you know, it's, it's very hard to even have a conversation with me about business unless NDAs are are signed, unless deposits are put down. Unless my contracts that I've written up are signed. And then we go into it uh, with the testing. Now, you know, we have a lot of people who um, there's a very rigorous process to even sit down and have a conversation with us about our processes. Um, And because we don't we're very we're very close, close to the chest with what we have because we don't want to get robbed. And so far, we've been very good at it. You said you you uh, you said that you went to meet Delek. You know, we had conversations with those people from Meat Delic, and they asked us all the conversations. They asked us all the questions about how we do our testing and how we do our cup, because the Meat Delic, the people that, that run Meat Delic, are the same people that run the Cannabis Cup. And they sat down with me and they they asked us all these questions about our competition. I'm 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 waiting on them to try to 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 now use what I told them to now run a competition. You know, they asked us all about our process and everything, and then they weren't decent enough to extend the invitation to 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 Meat Delic. To and so it's just is we, we're very close to the, to, to the chest with our cards now. Um, you know, we, we're to the point where we survived all of the kind of rough business dealings where we're stronger for it, we're a better team for it, and now we just move around We move around in a way where, you know, we're not so thirsty to, to do business with just any old body. You know, if, if we wanted to do business with any Tom, Dick, and Harry that came through the door, uh, we could, but it would be at the risk of, you know, somebody taking information from us. And so, unfortunately, you know, we can't be as open uh, and as lovey-dovey with business as we want. But, you know, this, it, we got knocked around and, and we lived to tell the story. And so we're going to learn from it as well.
0: All right. All right. Well, let's hit the hot button subject right now. And everybody hold on to your potatoes. and your eyes, Reggie, how might a white person or the white community at large best support the BIPOC community, and this goes for the psychedelic space and for the world in general. Is it by staying the fuck out of the way? Is it by changing our profile pictures on Instagram? What What's the play here, Reggie?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's hilarious. You don't have to change your profile picture, but what I have noticed is uh, moving through the space. You know, I definitely would not be able to be. hype would not be able to be where we are without the without the help of a lot, a lot of good like allies and you know we I am an ally to communities as well but what I've learned is oftentimes so when I try to do these events I've had situations where they they cost money and so I'll go to people and say hey can you help you know me do this event by offering sponsorship and I remember one of the more recent events uh, it was a well-meaning white guy who um, who had a little bit of money and he was offering it to me but he was asking me to operate in a way that I didn't operate meaning he wanted me to make out this huge budget and he wanted me to to do this and to do that and to do the third to get the money. And then he wanted to have all sorts of input on how, on, on how I did my thing, even though like he's never done the things that I, I do in the way in which I do. And I got frustrated because I knew he was well-meaning. But like I also am not trying to tap dance to get the money. So I said, fuck it. And I called another one of, you know, the, the allies and I says, hey, I'm trying to do something. This is my idea. Can you support it? It wasn't gonna hurt him, so he says yes, and he cut the check, and it allowed me to go. It allowed me to realize my full vision without having to tap dance and contort, um, no matter how well meaning the guy was. So I'd say number one, just kind of if you're gonna support, support, and then get out the way. You don't have to support and like be a backseat driver and and give a bunch of suggestions. You just support. Uh, shout out to again, shout out to shout out to Pacific Substrates. Uh, shout out to, uh, CBD is better shout out to, uh, uh, culture shroom shop. Shout out to method seven glasses. A lot of these are white owned companies and just support and get out the way. And I, I really appreciate all of our supporters. I support, shout out to queerly psychedelic shit. Shout out to you. You know, you didn't, you didn't tell me I had to tap dance or do anything crazy to get on here. And you've always, you know, been, been a rider as far as I'm concerned. So, um, that's for me, it's just, if you're going to support, Support. Don't support with strings. Uh, I, I have. I had another guy who I, who was a sponsor, um, and he said he supported what I did, and he understood the influence that, that I'm that I'm starting to gain in this space and the direction that we were going in. And he was a very good supporter of what I did to a point where it was no strings. But then when I did the um, the the my talk at Emerald Cup about keeping corporate contamination out of the, the psychedelic business and, and keeping it decriminalized as long as possible. He said that that triggered him. And so he wanted me to to stop doing that. Otherwise, he was going to pull a support. And for me, that's kind of fucked up. It's like, all right, well, you're an ally until I have an opinion. And so um, it, it for, for me, it's kind of like now it's worse. It's now it, it puts you in a, a position where you should have never supported it at all if you're going to support with contingencies is how I look at it.
0: Hell yeah. All right. I'm gonna loop back. Unless you have anything to add onto that, Ian, or you know, if you wanna take the conversation in that direction, if uh something comes up, feel free. To do it. I mean,
2: I just say one thing. If you have a seat at the table, you have the opportunity to pull your seat out and offer it to somebody else.
0: Hell yeah. I was born and raised in the border community of San Diego, Tijuana. And I grew up my whole life, you know, hearing the media talk about these dangerous Mexicans and build the wall and all this. I'm like, shit, I'm trying to get to the other side of that wall, man. A lot of my best friends live over there, dude. Like, so, you know, I lived in Mexico the last two years and it's been a real blessing. I've connected with a bunch of mycologists down here. There's a renaissance of people. Who are you know starting to bridge the indigenous knowledge with the scientific knowledge, and it's a really amazing time to see that happen. So I, I feel you know happy as a cucumber in a cabbage patch right here. Hola, qué tal, cómo estás? When are we going to do something in Mexico, man? I'm waiting for my invite so we can get it
1: popping down there, man. What's happening?
0: Let's make it happen, man. I actually just recorded my first podcast in all Spanish last week. So I'm going to drop that. I'm not even going to tell anyone. I'm just going to drop it like it's another episode. as my plan. Yeah. So I'm, I'm big on this idea of fungi diplomacy uh, of a lot of the governments and bureaucrats we have from different states in the world. They're not working for us. That should be abundantly clear to everyone. So what if we were able to take this into our own hands like you're doing with the community building and just kind of circumvent all that bullshit because you know in my opinion like a lot of government and power centers they are not built they're not even trying to hide it anymore they're not built to serve people and i guess that you guys know that better than anyone so you know we're kind of let's go to the denouement here where we tie everything together and i got to know what's Haifa working on next what is the Oakland Haifa team working on right now. I'm sure, you know, we didn't sign an NDA here, so you don't have to spill all the beans, but it would be awesome if you just gave us a little sneak peek into the next, maybe six months to a year of some of the things we can look forward to.
1: So Ian, I'm going to go with them. You, I mean, you got the biggest announcement, so I'm just going to get these shits off real quick. So, I mean, of course, we had the, the California Psychedelic Conference, which to me is going to be the biggest, best event that I've ever done uh, in the biggest population center in the state of California, Um, You know, in terms of testing, most of our business comes from down there. Just the the community down there is popping. It's a lot easier for people to get to it. So I'm really excited about that, bringing some of the best cultivators, some of the best business people, some of the best medicine workers, the best healers, um, and a diverse cross-section like you've never seen before into uh, one space under one roof and really connecting the community in a way that I've never done before. So that's number one. That's coming up, like we said, April 23rd to 24th. You can go to Oakland underscore Hyphae. To get your tickets, they will not last. Early Bird sold out last week, so get them while you can. That's first. While we're there, we're going to do another thing that I'm really excited about having the first in person uh, Battle of the Agar. Shout out to Agar Addicts. We're going to do something really, really popping for the community there. Uh, again, another nod to the cultivators. Um, after that, we're looking to knock the ball out the fucking park with our first festival sort of gathering. That's going to be in August up in Seattle. Uh, Shout out to Cognitive Function, Cassandra Posey. I'm teaming up with her uh, to to make this happen. Um, And then I'm looking at, well, of course, in September, we got the Oakland Psychedelic Conference coming back bigger and better than ever. um, And we're going to start planning that one immediately. So market calendars for uh, the week of 920, the weekend, whatever the weekend of 920 is, is when we're going to have it. Um, And in terms of... Things. that's it for us. Um, and we're also working on a new iteration of SB519. So that's that's what's on the the hype, the Oakland Hype Bay schedule. What's it look like for Hype Bay Last, man?
2: We have two major projects that I'm working on right now that I want to see roll out in the most powerful way. Um the first of which is one that we did some initial rollouts down in Miami for, and that would be our TLC testing kit. We've been working on this for a hot minute now, and it includes the ability for cultivators to hopefully be able to get some data on hand instead of having to take their sample, get it into one of our drop-off points, and be able to get it into our hands. We're also trying to not just make it accessible to anybody, but also reduce the cost and expand it just beyond psilocybe as a mushroom. So we're working together with a number of different scientists to From actual lab scientists to data scientists to put together a whole process to where it should come down to a kit that you can take pictures with your phone, submit that picture and get a report back. And the idea is to decentralize testing in a way that's extremely beneficial for the community at large. Um, and then furthermore, uh, I believe the next steps that I had mentioned earlier, um, one of the things that we're trying to do is shed some light on caps versus stems in a, like a scientific and robust way. Uh, reproducibility has been a major factor for us in the past year, getting our methods in a way that's actually doable by other people. And now that we have that in place, I'm super excited to be able to do a little bit of robustness testing, especially around caps and stems. And that's uh, where we're going to be hopefully having some conversations. So listen to Hyphae Labs and Oak and Hyphae for information about those two things. That being said, if you're interested in doing some research and development testing, feel free to reach out, uh, Labs at gmail.com. Um, we're interested in having conversations with those people that are actively in this
0: space. Hell yeah. Well, we're reaching the sweet spot here. My computer's running out of battery because I'm outside. I much prefer to record these things outside than boxed into a little echo chamber inside somewhere. Let's fucking go. All right, before we wrap up today, any parting shots you have for the listeners in terms of, you know, things that are on your mind, things you want to promote, people you want to shout out? Just any parting shots before we wrap up. People people
1: people should come to the conference because I'm going to create space for both you to moderate and I'm going to create space for you to do some podcasting there as well. So people could, if they're interested in seeing you, they should come there because you'll be live and in person and active. One last time. First of all, shout out to Eve. Shout out to Emily. Shout out to Christine. Shout out to the whole hype fate team. Shout out to Tomas. Uh, shout out to Corey. And shout out to our sponsors. Thank you. Thank you so much. Method seven. Thank you. Pacific substrates. Thank you uh cbd is better thank you cultural shroom shop as well down in down in long beach so thank you and thank you dennis for for looking out shout out to mary Carrión too shout out to mary Carrión, mary stardust salute to you thank you for bringing this together uh, the, the 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 parting wisdom that i'll give y'all is understand your value and believe in yourself understand your value and believe in yourself invest in yourself uh and and that's
2: it man ian First off, I want to say thank you, Dennis. Again, the memes that you're producing, like the videos that you're producing are not only next level, but they resonate in so many different layers. And I really want to say thank you to you for providing space for us as community members and for your audience. Like that's the biggest thing that I'm here to say thankful for. Because at this point, it's an opportunity for us to share who we are in a way that's not necessarily able to do on any other platform. So you, this podcast, your audience, all of these are new people that we want to reach out to. We want to share our messages to. And I also want to say that the most important thing that I can tell anybody is that you and your ideas are just as great as anybody else's. Like Reggie said, invest in those, invest in your work, show up and do like try to complete tasks Doing is being. We are homo faber, man the maker. Embrace.
0: Que onda, my friends. Gotta refresh the outro too. So what'd you think of this episode? Drop us a line. Hit the DMs on Instagram at Michaelpreneurpodcast or dare I say TikTok. Yes, we've been engaging in TikTokery as of late. And while I have your attention... Ego Death Magazine is actively soliciting content submissions and recurring contributor roles. Just take a look at the type of content exhibited thus far at www.egodeathmagazine.com to get an idea of what sort of materials we are looking to platform. So don't be a stranger. Bridges, not borders, baby. All right, you take care of yourself now. I'll be seeing you around. Ciao, au revoir, sayonara, and adios, motherfuckers.